Welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Fordham Intellectual Property Media and Entertainment Law Journal. I am the online editor, Anthony Zangrillo, and I am here with David Bradley Eisenberg. Hey, how's, how's it going, everybody? Thanks for having me on, Anthony. No problem. We have an interesting topic today. We're going to be talking about the false advertising in the movie industry, specifically looking at misleading movie trailers. So this topic originally came to me when uh, Suicide Squad came out. David, you saw that film, right? Uh, actually, I have not seen Suicide Squad yet, um, but I heard all about it, and I understand the basic hype of it. It's been something that uh, I've been following for some time now. Okay, all right. So really the whole thing with uh, – you've seen some of the advertisements that came out for this film. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, there was a massive media blitz probably in the wake of Batman versus Superman. Warner Brothers was trying to recoup as much money as they possibly could. So they wanted to make sure yeah. Suicide Squad was a success. Yeah, they also really like Hot Topic, apparently. Yes, well, I mean, the what was it? Basically, uh, David Ayer had a cut of the film, and in the trailers, they totally changed the tone of the cut that he gave to the trailer house. So it's almost like the trailers, I think they, uh, whoever the movie cut company that makes them, don't know who that is, made another cut of the film that drastically altered it, really focused on the comedy elements and, like you're saying, the hot topic aspects of the film. Mm. So when you have something like this, they cherry-picked what was important to them, and mm. lo and behold, Warner Brothers and the higher-ups thought maybe Jared Leto's Joker was one of the most important things in the film, right? Yeah. Now here's the problem with that. He's only in the film for about 15 total minutes. 15 Some total minutes? 15. I think that's I think that's being uh, pretty uh, liberal because I didn't even think it was 15 really? when I saw the film. And full disclosure, I was at the world premiere of the film at uh, the oh, Beacon wow. Theater. Wow. I plug it a little bit. It was it was a good time. Got, I got to meet uh, Kevin Smith who, no, unsurprisingly, he loves Suicide Squad because his daughter <laughs> is uh, named Harley Quinn. But, oh, well, that I would do it. We won't get into the creative uh, merits of that film. I gave it a 6.5. But <laughs> I would say uh, – Do you want to do, uh, do a little shameless plug? of? Your, I, I mean we could do. I also tonight. run the Motion Picture Club, motionpicture.com. <laughs> if you want to check out my review, you can just search my name, Anthony Zangrillo. You can find the Suicide Squad review. But we're not here for that. We're not here for that. <laughs> so really the whole thing is it's troubling, I think. When you're a consumer, let's say you don't you don't really know that much about films. You don't really go to the movie theaters that much. Maybe you go see one or two films for the entire year. This is the person I want to think of. You're seeing all these trailers. They're all focusing on this one character. Maybe you were a fan of The Dark Knight that you loved, uh, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker, and you're like, oh no, they're making another film with the Joker. I'm gonna see this film because I want to see this artistic interpretation. I want to see this character in the film yeah you're gonna be led to believe he's the villain you're gonna be led to believe he's in the film for a majority of the film and then all of a sudden he's not what it, do you feel like you were like gypped your admission that it's almost false advertising that you are duped into going to see the film uh i mean i think that the the an analogy is just that if you if this were any other product would you feel that same way? So if you bought a cake 
and you couldn't see the inside of the cake. You could just see the box, and the box made it look all red, and then it called it red velvet cake. But then as it turns out, the red is only the icing, and then when you open it up, it's actually all a, a brown, uh, you know, a chocolate cake. Um, is that false advertising? Is that uh, intentionally misleading? It still labels all the ingredients as chocolate. Uh, you know, it says that there's chocolate and it says that there's eggs, you know, and stuff like that. But you're led to believe that there's, it's going to be all red. Um, in that sense, I would feel I would feel led on. Um, but I, I think that for me, uh, and this is kind of where I stand with a lot of film advertisements, I, I think that there there should be a little bit of uh, freedom from a policy perspective for movie production houses to advertise it however they see fit. That that's my initial gut because there's not one way to perceive a movie and there's not one way to like either a cake tastes like red velvet cake or it doesn't. Um, but a film is multifaceted. There's many different themes. There's many different characters, of course. And so, uh, for me, I, I don't think that it would be, I mean, I would feel a little confused, but I wouldn't feel so upset as to, you know, be able to feel comfortable filing a lawsuit or anything like that. I mean, I I agree a hundred percent, and that's the whole thing that it seems from policy perspective, it's an idealistic approach. Because personally, I hate movie trailers nowadays. You either have a problem <laughs> where they're not telling you anything about the film, you have no idea going into it what it is, which sometimes that's a good thing. But for people that are don't have the luxury of going to let's say 50 movies a year, that's very troubling. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have marketing campaigns. I wouldn't say as much Suicide Squad, but Batman vs. Superman is definite, where they give away the whole film. Every mm -hmm. single element, because guess what? They don't care if you like the film or not when you go see it. It's all about getting you into the seat just for that ah. opening weekend and breaking whatever record there is. So really, the best answer is probably having a laissez-faire approach free market and not having, let's say, the FTC or government agency restricting what artists can put in their trailers and their films. Totally. But it's it's very interesting. So all this stems from a Reddit user. You know, we're in the dark internet right now, so I don't know. But he's, <laughs> he was threatening to sue WB and DC for false advertising, misleading visual images, and gaining a profit from us and millions others due to these acts. Now, it was very poorly worded, but I think he definitely hits an interesting point that a lot of people would have agreed with after seeing that film, that there mm -hmm. was that false advertising approach. Now, he hasn't actually, I don't think he's actually sued anyone, and if he did, I feel like it would be thrown out. Um, this was based on in the past, a Michigan woman actually sued the distributors of the movie Drive. That was the movie with uh, Ryan Gosling. And uh, it was for the director that did uh, Only God Forgives. Do you remember that film? No, I never saw Only God Forgives. So Only God Forgives is awful. But I like Drive. He's yeah, a, I like he's Drive an too. interesting director. He's very uh, artistic, this director. He is. He's not worried he's about the commercial profits. Yeah, he's very stylish. Very stylish. Sometimes at the sake of the pro uh, the plot of the film. But uh, <laughs> she sued based on false advertising in violation of the Michigan Consumer Protection Act. And I thought it was a little bit of a crazy claim 
because she was basically saying that uh, Drive was advertised similar to the Fast and Furious, but it wasn't. There was no Vin Diesel. There was no Rock. There was no flipping cars. This was Ryan Gosling with a car, and it's named Drive. I could see you assuming you're getting a Fast and Furious film, but you're not really looking at the advertising materials. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think that what's interesting about this is just that you know we ha- uh, we've looked we've been talking a little bit about where would an example fit as to when you could actually have an actionable claim. I mean, with Suicide Squad, maybe, but Drive, I really don't think so because, like, with Drive, the the uh, I think I may have told you this story already, but uh, when I was younger, I went to I saw Rocky with my dad. I was like great 10 film. years. It is a great film. It's an amazing film. First time I saw it, I was 10 years old. I fell asleep during the movie. Oh, um, man. <laughs> so Love's it was always kind of a joke. House. Like, you better be careful, my, man. Like, you know, my, my, I'm talking to my dad. I was like, Dad, I finally saw Rocky. I thought it was so great. He's like, yeah, the fight scenes were so cool. And I was like, yeah, I really thought it was a great commentary on working class Philadelphia. And really, I think that at the end of the day, it was just a romance film. And that in the end, you know what? It was kind of it was kind of a happy ending because she said that she loved him, and really that's 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 what the whole movie was about. Um, is that it was it was really more about this love story between these two people than about this fight. Um, and and he was like, yeah, those fight scenes were pretty cool, right? Um, so I mean, like the joke of that is just that we saw this movie in completely different ways. And so with Drive, somebody could see Drive as an action film or they could see it as this kind of you know brooding film about this guy who who's having conflicted emotions about uh what he got he he ended up getting caught up in some sort of theft mm-hmm. or i mean there, there he was like getting caught up in crime but really he just wanted to escape um so i mean like it's to to be able to sue a production company for labeling it as an, you know, an action film when it's really an art house film kind of creates this false dichotomy of that one one film has to have only one meaning. Yes, and that's the problem. And really, when you think about it, even if you had a standard like this, we know in copyright law, the whole purpose policy-wise is judges shouldn't make these artistic decisions because they're not qualified to do it. Yeah. So... Especially not Posner. Oh, that's well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that is a very interesting point with Rocky because you could look at it in so many different ways. Just as Creed that came out, some people are probably going for it for like the fight sequences, and other people are going for it more with the artistic merit, mm-hmm. not just the boxing scenes. Totally. So it 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 seems, and also a lot of these films will have different trailers for different audiences like they'll air like you know on espn they'll air a trailer with a bunch of you know bang boom smash whereas you know in a trailer for you know the next uh film with daniel day lewis in it they're going to show a trailer that shows the you know more artistic merits of the of the of this film coming up and 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 i think that production companies uh and pr companies are are totally entitled to make different advertisers to fit to different markets. So just summarizing the drive lawsuit, the judge was very annoyed when this case came in front of him. 
and he quickly got rid of it. I believe he dismissed it, and I think he wrote like a little bit of a scathing opinion just saying how ludicrous this suit was, and it's going to be just like a log jamming the courts if people were doing this. But uh, we could think about how this has this topic has been a force, pun intended, in other films, ah. such as Star Wars ah. The Force Awakens. Ah. Now, you could be saying, Anthony, what are you talking about? How, how Star Wars wasn't misleading. It was a great movie. It made so much money and all this stuff. And the trailer was amazing, I must say. You know, we're going to say the trailers were amazing. But let's go back, right, probably a year before it came out. I believe they put a little teaser trailer out. Do you remember this? I do. And no one knew what it was about. You know, it's like very um, keeping the present wrapped instead of unwrapping it, mm. getting everybody hyped up for the film. One of the things that happened in it was an iconic Sith shot, as I would call it, even though he's not a Sith yet, but Kylo Ren. Right? You see this mm -hmm. mysterious guy in the snow woods, and he takes out this lightsaber that no one's ever seen before. And it has the, you know, blade edge, whatever that's called, the handle guard. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Broad sword. And he's in the full Kylo Ren attire. Did you know that scene never made it into the film? That little shot. Really? So it's like everybody loves that shot. Now, a little bit of spoilers for Force Awakens if for some reason you haven't seen it yet. But by that time... Don't listen to this, but you know what? If you haven't seen that movie... Don't listen to this podcast. Oh man, we can't. We got. We can't. This is the first episode. We're already. <laughs> we're already. Uh, you know, getting rid of our fans that quickly. <laughs> yeah. You know but, what? Fine. <laughs> but he gets shot after killing Han Solo. Yeah, I'm totally spoiling this film. But uh, he does not have the headwear on by the time that shot is actually shown in the film. He, there never is a perspective shot from Kylo Ren's back. Of that sword coming out, of him opening it up. Now, it's not a big deal. This is such a, like a small thing. But it's very interesting how many times that these trailers have shots that never make it into the film. And I swear to you, so many people love that shot. So many people uh, do that exact pose. This Halloween, you know, how many people are going to do that exact pose with Kylo Ren? Unspeakable. 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 My girlfriend's probably going to do that pose. Oh, that's good. So are, are you going to be uh, Ray? I'm probably going to be Ray. I look okay. kind of like Ray, honestly. That's a, Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't going to say that. But I mean, yeah. I was going to think it, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> well, I just got to trim my beard. You got to shave my beard and then put on, I don't, I don't know, put a, uh, a smock. I guess it's a, a tan smock, a Tatooine smock. And it's, it's, a, it's uncanny. I mean, Tatooine smock and Ray Beard. All right, the midichlorians are strong in you. That's no oh. problem with that. <laughs> okay, cool. I don't know what that means. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You're not a true fan. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, but, oh, man. But okay, segue anyway. <laughs> into one of the worst, I'm going to say the worst marketing campaigns and one of the worst superhero films that ever came out. Okay. Fantastic Four. Not not the old one with Jessica Alba. That one's bad too, but it's not as bad. The most recent one. Do you remember this that Fox released? Yeah. And it was with Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan. Yep. Cast of, yeah. I can't even remember the rest of the cast because I'm just like, oh man, this film. 
it was a disaster. But it was yeah. I I I heard it was so bad that uh you kind of wanted to be the drum teacher uh it, cursing out Miles Teller just like uh Oh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, you just wanted to be J.K. Simmons you at to the be J. Jonah Jameson cursing out Reed Richards. I like those references. Good job. Hey, thanks. <laughs> That's very apropos. I would definitely I could definitely see that happening to Miles Teller in real life. <laughs> After seeing that film. After seeing that film. Oh, definitely. But uh, I forgot about this. The trailer had many of these big action scenes that were never in the final movie. Hmm. And why were they take why weren't they in the final movie? Well, the whole thing is behind the scenes, Fox knew that this Chronicle director had a horrible film. You know, he had a very bad film, wasn't going to work at all. We're not going to name him here. You can look it up if you really are that interested. But there were so many things going on behind the scenes that this film they knew was going to fail. So why would you put any more money into this film? Mm. They, they filmed the original shots of, let's say, uh, Ben Grimm, The Thing, a big action scene of him being dropped into a combat zone and taking out all these militants, they didn't really want to put money into it in post-production. Now, again, this is all allegedly, right? I'm speaking, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but looking at the final product, you can obviously see there was supposed to be an action scene that they just cut, probably because they couldn't afford it. Because they just knew how how terrible it, it was going to be. I mean, it's cut your losses time. And if you look at the long scheme of things, Deadpool made back like what? quintuple times its budget even more than that probably probably wow. a billion times its budget you look at like the law you know how popular it was in the merchandise sales and everything so it was a smart move by fox because you cut your losses on fantastic four and you maximize mm -hmm. your profits on other films makes sense but it's so interesting when you dive deep into it i was looking at some reports there was a missing scene between uh, dr doom and reed richards so even like between just complexity between the hero and the villain of the tale and even missing jokes from the Human Torch. Oh, missing jokes. That's an abomination. I mean, no, not the Hulk abomination, though. That's a different. Oh. Don't worry. Disney <laughs> owns those rights. OK, so it's all good. It's all OK, good. good. OK, good. Uh, OK, so the issue is, is that we're seeing things not this is substantively different from Drive the drive example we were talking about. And I would argue it's different from Suicide Squad because now we're actually seeing images, we're hearing, you know, fight scenes, or we're experiencing this a film that does not exist on the big screen. We will never see it again. And so the, the purpose of a trailer is to present what we can expect from the film. But if there's a scene, if there are scenes that do not exist, do not make it into the final cut of the film, is that a different form of, of false advertising, you know, and therefore more actionable. Well, why do you think it's different? Because it's a longer scene? Well, the, the difference is, is... Because there were uh, some scenes, let's say, in Suicide Squad that didn't make it in, but we didn't see, like, it wasn't a whole entire action scene mm. that they showed. And that's an, and and that 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 happens in every film, and they always they're you know they they always cut out something. You have to cut out something, and it's you know when it's like sculpting something made out of marble. You have to chip away to get to the final product, right? Are you almost saying though 
that these marketing campaigns are starting too early? Uh, yeah, so should it then, be like you have to have a finished product before yeah, you can before. start marketing it? Well, I, I think that most people would disagree with that because it's you need to, you know, in this day and age, they want to get out, they want to time the marketing for it perfectly, you know. I mean, so let's say that, you know, let's say you're, uh, you know, Marvel and you're making. Uh, you know, a gazillion films a year and you want to be able to structure everything so you can get out the film that you expect to be, uh, to be, to do really well next Christmas and you want to get it out this Christmas. But you also know that, um, you know, Zach's, what's his name? Zach, Zach Smith. Snyder. Zach Snyder. Snyder. Yeah. Zach Snyder. A visionary just, director. That we can talk about in another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a subject to another debate. Uh, but you know, let's say Zack Snyder's being on Zack Snydery about this and he still actually has like four more months of filming and then there's the editing process. It's really not going to get done until like a month before it's supposed to be released, but you want to get something out there because this is Watchmen, Watchmen 2. This is a, this is a, whoa, a, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow so down a now. sequel to, this is a sequel cannot to Watchmen. cannot make a sequel to Watchmen. <laughs> cannot. Don't even, I know you're joking. You can't joke about that because they already made a prequel to Watchmen. They made a comic no, book series. Man. They made a comic book series before Watchmen. Don't read it. God, that's awful. <laughs> oh my god, that's like that. That's this is another conversation that I want to have. But like, it, there's there's this overproduction of certain genres of film, um, just for the sake of profiting. Um, and one of them sometimes is when it when there's such a perfectly well rounded plot from a comic book and then they want to just expand the entire universe and then end up doing like an epic fail. I, I I agree with that and that I think that that can be applied to a few other genres. Um, but I think that, uh, the issue is that, so you're going to have, uh, a judge determining when somebody can release the trailer. They have to like check off the box on the trailer. I mean, what if there's, it, it seems like, in excessive interference uh, in the in the business oper in the operations of the business for really a pretty de minimis issue. I, I I agree definitely it's de minimis. But here's a good example. Did you see the Super Bowl trailer for Fast and Furious? What are we up to? Seven? I think it was the like the one that came out last year. Oh, okay. Fury 7 or whatever it's called. I I don't even know what it is. I know ever since The Rock joined, I love those films so. Since The Rock, right? Okay. But there's that one where the car jumps the building, and I think it's in Abu Dhabi. You know what I'm talking about? It jumps over the tallest building in the world? It jumps through. Window? It jumps through. It goes through the window and goes through to, like, through the glass of another building. Oh, that's so badass. Imagine now, right? That's your reaction to the trailer. You yeah. may buy a ticket based on that scene. Just to see that And scene. then it was cut. Oh, that would that would hurt. That would hurt Do you a want lot. your money back, though? See, this is an interesting question, is that I saw it on the trailer. So I, I technically saw the scene, but what I wanted was the entire scene, right? Now, we didn't say this is actually the spoiler podcast, because I'm going to spoil this movie, too. There's more to that scene, and that is from a, you know, me as a movie reviewer, right, on my other hat. That mm. is how you do trailers. You give them a little bit. That people go nuts and think you spoiled everything. Guess what? There was another building behind it. 
So he jumped another building after that. Really? That is the perfect way to do a trailer because then you get your payoff in the film. Two jumps yeah, for cool. the price of one. You get two jumps, so you get the second jump, and that's what you're kind of expecting, right? From a teaser trailer, you expect that there's going to be some other artistic expansion upon these little seedlings that are in the trailer itself, right? Exactly. And it's, it's just interesting because it's undoubtedly true. You're doing misleading advertising. Now, Fast and Furious did it. They did the correct way of advertising. But when you talk about something like Fantastic Four, you're definitely doing misleading advertising because they were cutting their losses at the time. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to salvage this movie they had that they already sunk so much money into. Totally. So, so I, you know, I don't know. I would definitely say in that situation, you're cutting an entire expensive action scene that you're expecting to see. If somebody wants to bring a class action lawsuit, I mean, it would it would definitely be a nuisance to the courts, but it should be something that maybe we should have a very liberal standard that has to meet the, like, so blatantly dishonest degree. Exactly. So I, I was actually talking about this uh, with my girlfriend. She's uh, in law school as well, and we were kind of talking about – I mean, she doesn't care about any of this stuff. She wants to be a public defender. But I was talking about uh, – so I was – boring her incredibly about this but it's like so what would be if we were to make up a trailer that we think would just be clearly uh from a you know from a policy perspective you know unconscionable something like that you know i mean it it, let's say that it's a uh a film it's supposed it's called jurassic park 4 okay the film is called jurassic park 4 it's a trademark violation Okay, let's let's say that. Uh, let's just say it isn't though. It's like I don't know, Universal gave its approval or something like that. Yeah, or let's say it's called like Dinosaurs Are Us. Well, Universal released it. How about that? Great. Universal's releasing because <laughs> they own it, right? Whatever, whoever owns the trademark Jurassic Park Four, whether it be Spielberg or Universal, Great. they want to release this film. Let's stipulate that. Uh, so it's called Jurassic Park Four, but the entire trailer is aliens fighting zombies, and George Clooney shows up. Brad Pitt shows up and um, Halle Berry shows up. Okay. And then when it is, but it's called Jurassic Park Four. all of the action scenes are just aliens and zombies and those actors. Um, Then when the movie actually comes out, none of what was in the trailer is in the film. It's still called Jurassic Park four, but it's Chris Pratt uh, and you know, it's dinosaurs and everything else you'd expect from a Jurassic Park franchise. Like high Uh, heel running in high heels. That's necessary. Oh, that is kind of a thing in Jurassic Park films, isn't it? Yes, it is. Also, the heavy breathing onto a window pane, but from a velociraptor. You need it, man. You, you need, need that stuff. You gotta have the velociraptor with asthma breathing onto the window. I feel like that's a lot in the movies. Uh, so it's 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 another. It's just an, a good life old finds fashion. a way. Life finds a way. Same kinds of stuff. What's his name again? Um, the scientist shows up. Um, Malcolm? You mean uh, Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum. The most exactly. glorious human being that ever lived. He is so glorious. What a great guy. He is. Um, we should try and get him on the podcast. Oh, okay. you're doing a lot in this first episode. <laughs> okay, so anyways, so would that be actionable? This trailer is not a single thing from the film in tone or in plot i mean if you all right there's a good example if you advertise somebody's going to be in the film and they're not in the film yeah you're advertising george clooney halle berry and then chris pratt shows up now sure you gave them something better than what they wanted oh they didn't know that you know 
I mean, I understand. It's like the whole Vince McMahon quote. They don't know what they want. I know what they want. But, I mean, it's very, it's very deceptive. And I don't think you can get away with that. I think that definitely would be actionable. If you put somebody in the credits as a lead, right? And -hmm. they're not in the film. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how would it be? Yeah, so let's, so someone, so, you know, from the example of Suicide Squad, Jared Leto is just not in the film at all. If he's not in the film at all, definitely you have an action. The question here is the minimus because he's in the film. Sure, they cut some scenes and shots and twisted mm-hmm. it so it's not the same way as it was in the trailer, but at least he's in it. So you can't say he's not at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I, I have an example. Okay, so have you seen the movie From Dusk Till Dawn? Yes. Okay, I love that movie. Well, I think Tarantino it's... wrote it, right? But, he, but yeah. he just directed it, I think? Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, we can fact check that later. Uh, but definitely Tarantino wrote it. What I love about that movie is the genre shift halfway through it. I mean, no, sp- sorry again, spoilers, everybody out there, but the genre shift is, uh, amazing and it's hilarious and it's totally unexpected and it, and it is artistic in- integrity is held intact because of that. Um, and we should, we don't want to stifle that ability you know like we don't want to prevent that uh from happening you know you you want to allow for trailers to uh, allow for surprises if they want it but if it's just if you're just not showing anything that was in the trailer whatsoever um in tone either um not not as yes we agree that uh, if a character doesn't show up that's actionable yes but you know, if the tone is just completely different, if the genre is just completely different, maybe it's the same actors, but every, the, would that be actionable? And I would change that too. I wouldn't say just a character. I would say if it's like, you're saying George Clooney's the lead, right? Yeah. And then he's not the lead. You got to tell people beforehand. You can't just have the movie come out, no trailers. Like it would never happen because people know that would be illegal because I don't think that would ever happen. I no, could see a small character happen like that happening with that. Well, actually, in Scream, uh, what was brilliant about Scream, the first one, is um, what's her name? Uh, oh my Cox. Gosh. I think um, she was in that, right? She I was know, in uh, it. Her husband she, was in it, David Arquette. Right. Um, yes, but it was cast and crew. Somebody was in it that was only that, – that was – the marketing campaign had them in the – as the, kind of the lead, and it, she died in the first scene. Hmm. I mean – And that, that was suppo- – but that was for kind of the merits of the film to try to surprise people, and nobody was upset about it. I mean – At least read it because this happened with G.I. Joe too for contractual reasons. Channing Tatum had to be in that film or something like that. And uh, spoilers, because I know everybody loved G.I. Joe too. But they <laughs> they killed him in like the first five to ten minutes. They killed Duke. And yeah. it's like that I don't like it probably isn't actionable, but it, how how wrong is that? Let's say you're a big Channing Tatum fan. You only came there for Channing Tatum. He's dead in the first five minutes. Because they did this in X-Men 3. My friend mm-hmm. and I, we're the biggest Cyclops fans. Right, we're the biggest Cyclops fans. That guy dies in the first five minutes. Another movie we're spoiling in this podcast. Oh my god, this is just first five minutes. Phoenix destroys Cyclops. 
For those who are listening, just don't go see like. Don't go see X three. Yeah, don't go. Don't go see that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but I think that, I think that directors have the right to be able to do that, you know, because and it also plays with your emotions. It's like a Game of Thrones situation. Exactly. Exactly. So it, like it does a good thing. So, I mean, I have nothing wrong as long as they have some significance in the film. So a death is a significance. If they mm-hmm. show up and they play with, like they play with it like that, that's fine. But if you, exactly. you shouldn't also at the same time be promoting the whole film based on them. So X3 is a good example that promotion was based on Wolverine and Jean Grey. It wasn't really based on Cyclops. If okay. they had every, if they had X3 and all, only thing in the poster was just Cyclops and his laser beam in all of the posters, because guess what? Suicide Squad, a lot of the posters featured just Joker, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So all this, all the, screen po- the screen posters, if you look at the marketing campaign for Scream, all of the posters have Drew Barrymore on the front of it. The original marketing for it had Drew Barrymore in it. That's interesting, and Scream is one that was very creative at the time by playing with consumer expectations and audience, what you expect going into that film. Mm-hmm. So that is a great example, and I would say, going back to your earlier question with tone, I don't think you can judge tone at all. So that's yeah. why that thing with Drive is very inactionable, that if you're talking about, oh, well, the trailer seemed like it was a comedy and it was very dark and morbose, I would not – morose, sorry, whatever – but I would not – go into that. I don't think that's something judges would even be equipped to handle. To handle, yeah. And if if there were if the if it said the movie was gonna take place with zombies but it didn't have any zombies, it had dinosaurs. If you saw in the whole film you're saying zombies and aliens and then there's no zombies and aliens that show up and it's all about dinosaurs. Right mm-hmm. now, it's legal, right? Yeah. It's legal. Should it be? That's a question for our listeners to decide. That's what I would say. Very. I like that. Leave it in the uh, comments. Do you think that's actionable for Jurassic Park 4? Because they weren't creative enough at the time to think of Jurassic World. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so what would this uh, lawsuit look like? If somebody brought it, it'd have to be a class action because damages wouldn't be high enough, and you would get a lot of people to. There was people. There were people. What on the other side saying that Rotten Tomatoes had to be taken down. So this movie is like the John Cena effect. People really love it. People really hate it. It okay. gets everybody all over the place. So I could definitely see if somebody brought a class action saying they wanted their money back from Suicide Squad. There would be many people that would sign that and get involved with it. And would a mm-hmm. lawyer take it? I'm sure. It definitely would get a lot of media coverage just from a Redditor claiming that he was going to file a suit. The Huffington Post covered it. So many different uh, websites came out of the woodwork covering this, you know, Reddit Redditor. One guy, yeah. One guy, you know, on a mission. Yeah, Larry, Larry, Larry who's 16 and lives in, you know, lives in his mom's basement. But he was the one who said it. Um, okay, so it would He's be a classic. He's and he lives in his mom's basement. That's not that bad, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? You like, what, did he get basement? kicked out of his bedroom? What, he has to <laughs> still live in, like, his mother's basement? Because 16, like, you know, what, is he supposed to get his own apartment already at that age? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I totally, he is way cooler than me at 16. <laughs> that's realistic. I was still living in my, I was still living in my childhood bedroom at that time. I if mean, you like, are 16 and you live in the basement. You're a 16-year-old. Just go to prom. <laughs> It's fine. 
So the grog if you're if you're anybody who lived in their mom's basement at 16 was cool because pretty cool. Yeah, because they were like, oh, I have independence. Like, they weren't waiting for Doctor Strange to come out, I'll tell you that much. No. They, they, they were like, I'm going all the way for, like, uh, Fantastic Beasts. I'm going to hold out. I'm not giving my money to uh, Doctor Strange. That's what they were saying, those kids. Okay. Another reference I didn't get. Uh, the that. Harry Potter film. Come on now. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. There uh, you go. The Brief Wonder's Life of Harry Potter. Um, it had some very long name, right? Like a Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just call it the industry experts. Just call it Fantastic Beasts. Cut, uh, cut all those words down. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, right. cool kids. 16-year-olds live in their mom's basement. That is the best way to end this first podcast. 16 year olds living in their mother's basement that get mad about false advertising and movie trailers and then there's us older you know more eloquent people i guess a little bit more intellectually sophisticated mm-hmm. that are fine i guess with being deceived at seeing the films we're just mad when they give away the films so exactly. less more exactly from an artistic well- standpoint from a legal standpoint you could basically do whatever you want in the trailers, and we just have to hope that consumers are do their research a little bit more, you know, do their due diligence before they pay to go see the film. Exactly. And also, we hope that the directors are nice to us. You know, we hope that they're trusting enough of the market to assume that if they put out a good trailer, people will go see it. And if they're satisfied with the combination of the two, that they'll see some good money come from it. I think that's definitely a good point, but how many times do the directors not have the control with the producers and whatnot? Mm. It is difficult, but it definitely we hope that directors do get some control, and when they have the control, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Indeed, Anthony. I I couldn't agree with you more. All right, so thank you, David, for joining me. Very much appreciate it. Thank you you for having uh, me. Do you have anything you want to tell our audience before we get out of here? Uh, no. I uh, I hope we can uh, really appreciate it. hope we can uh, do this again. I'd love to come back. Sure, anytime. Just let me know. Okay. All right. Look for um, earlier this week, we had an interview with the executive producer of Notorious. That went up by now. And uh, we also have an interesting piece on how that show on ABC Notorious is looking into how lawyers manipulate the media in order to get potential jurors in cases on their side, how they write the narrative. So look out for those articles on FordhamIPLJ.org. All right, signing off.